Hello and welcome to Renewing Your Mind, a web-based ministry of South Bay Community Church located in Fremont, California. It is our prayer that today's broadcast will be a blessing to you. Let us prepare our hearts to hear the word of the Lord. Good morning, family. We are continuing our series on God's invitation for us to live into our best selves. We're calling it your best you yet. And I am going to do a little bit of a retention check. This is a continuing series. And so last, last Sunday, I introduced three D's. There was a B and then something that started with a D. And for those of you who were here, we have a pop quiz. So does anybody remember, you all can shout it out. The first, as we live into our best selves, the first B that we needed to do as we follow Paul's example is to be Ding. Next B is to be Ding. And the last B is to be Fantastic, fantastic. Yes, give yourselves a hand. You all get A's. We're going to continue with the series today, Your Best You Yet with Our Bodies. And I don't think that I'm going to say anything that you don't know, but I will tell you personally that as I worked on this this sermon, I was personally convicted. I felt God speaking to me, so I hope that he also will speak to you. You know, we care a lot about our bodies. We try to monitor our shape. Diet and exercise are always the top things on every year's New Year's resolutions list. There are a myriad of products that help to fix us up, make us up, and clean us up for our bodies. We watch our cholesterol. We watch our sugar. We watch our salt. There are apps for anything you want to do from how many steps you've taken to how much sleep you've had or the lack thereof. Yes, we care about our bodies. But there's also a disconnect. In a 2013 ranking of affluent countries' health, the United States came in last. And according to a Mayo Clinic survey of 5,000 participants, the survey found that less than 3% lived a healthy lifestyle according to their four criteria. And I'll tell you what their four criteria are. First, moderate and vigorous exercise for at least 150 minutes a week. A diet score in the top 40% of their healthy eating index. You'll have to go to the Mayo Clinic website to see what their healthy eating index is. But they're looking for the top 40%. A body fat percentage of under 20% for men or 30% for women. And no smoking. Those were the four criteria. And of those four criteria that they define as a healthy lifestyle, only 3% of Americans, 5,000 participants qualified. And I don't know about you, but I don't need to take the Mayo Clinic survey to know that I'm not in the golden 3%. 
the majority of us are not living our best selves when it comes to our bodies. And it's not that we don't know. Information abounds. You, we, we know all the stuff we should do. But for some reason, we don't do it. We have a myriad of reasons from I'm too busy to the weather to um, uh, laziness, the lack of self-discipline. We've got a lot of reasons. But we don't take care of our bodies the way that we should. And so it occurred to me as I was holding this before God, if we want to go into 2019 our best selves, And we want to go in our very best selves, body, mind, and spirit, because you know they're all interlinked. I've never forgotten the message that Dr. Adams gave that when one is out of whack, they're all out of whack. And so if we wanted to have our best selves, we have to look at how we care for our bodies. And it occurred to me that I wonder if part of the reason that we have such resistance, part of the reason that, that we struggle with really caring for our bodies lack of self-discipline aside, is maybe we need a different kind of vision for why we need to care for our bodies. Maybe it's not good enough to just say, I want to look good and feel better. Maybe we need something deeper than that. If you'd open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians six nineteen through 20, that will be our text for this morning. And I'll give you a minute because it will not be on the screen. 1 Corinthians six nineteen through 20. And if you would just stand for a moment and I will read it aloud. We'll honor the word of the Lord. It says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you? whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Heavenly Father, we have already had such a rich morning in your presence, worshiping you with our body, minds, and spirits. And God, now as we unfold your word and and seek to hear what it is that you have for us this morning. God, I ask that our hearts would remain open, that our ears would recognize your voice, and that we would hear exactly what it is you have for each one of us, God, because I know that there is not one person here for whom you don't want to speak to. Help us to hear you. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I want to read the passage one more time because it's a short little passage, but it's, it's a very powerful one in what we learn from it. So I want us to soak in it for just a minute more. Paul writes, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. If you're the kind of person who kind of looks before the verses and after the verses, which is a very, very good thing to do, 
you would know that the context of this passage, Paul is talking to the Corinthians around sexual immorality and sexual sins. Corinth was one of those cities that um, had a lot of promiscuity. The, the temple of Diana was in Corinth, and the way that you worshiped Diana was through prostitution. And so sexual sins were rampant. And the Corinthians had a way of kind of segmenting the spiritual from the physical. So as long as they were being spiritual, it was kind of in their mind, whatever I do physical is okay. And this is something that Paul is is trying to address and correct because body, mind, and spirit, they're all integrated. They go together. All of them are under God's care and umbrella. But beyond the, the, the context of sexuality here, this passage is a truth in general. It applies to so much more than than just uh, immorality. It's about our bodies. And so if we are going to be serious about our bodies in 2019, if we want to live our best selves in 2019, we have to address our bodies. And this passage offers four truths for us. Four truths that I think if we get them really deep in our spirit, can change how we care for and respond to our bodies. Truth number one, you are not your own. That may be a surprise for some of us, and particularly in this culture when, when the, the general feeling is, it's my body and I can do what I want with it. But that's not what the word of God says. The Bible says you are not your own. Our bodies do not belong to us because they belong to God. Psalms 139 is a beloved passage because in it we celebrate the fact that we are fearfully and wonderfully made by God. Verse 13 in that same chapter says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. As our creator, God is the owner of our bodies. He has the patent pink slip, the deed, and all rights to our bodies. As a manufacturer, fabricator, and producer, God is the first and only owner of our bodies. If we were a handcrafted toy or a designer bag or a original piece of art, God's stamp or signature of ownership would be somewhere on us. And it would say, made and owned lovingly by God. That means we aren't free to do whatever we want with our bodies. We are stewards of our bodies. Our bodies have been entrusted to us. And just like any other gift that God has given us, at some point we will have to account for what we did with our bodies. God is the owner not us. Our bodies are on loan to us, which means we have a responsibility. Truth number two. Scripture says you were bought at a price. The New Living Translation says you were bought at a high price. Paul, of course, is referring to Jesus's sacrificial death that reunited us with God. God created us but sin separated us 
from him. And Jesus paid a steep price in his pain, in his suffering, in his death to enable us to come back to God, to enable us to repent and be reunited with God. In 1 Peter, Peter writes, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. What Jesus paid for us was much more valuable than any precious metal. The ransom he paid with his blood for our freedom is priceless. Which means God saw each of you as priceless. We sing a song here. You thought I was worth... Wait, uh uh-oh, I just messed it up. Help me out, help me out. Yes, that's the one. You know it. Yes. You thought I was to die for. That's what I was trying to say. Yes, that precious and that priceless. Another way to think about it is to say that Jesus made a huge investment in us. So if Jesus made a huge investment in us, then that means Jesus has a vested interest in us, a vested interest in how we use our bodies. Truth number three. Paul's opening statement, he writes, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? I love this because here this truth brings together in this whole verse the Trinity full circle. God made us. Jesus died for us, which enabled the Holy Spirit to live inside of us as a gift from God. Bible says we were sealed by the Holy Spirit. That means the Spirit is evidence that we are God's, that we belong to God. This was all part of God's master plan for the creator and the created to be united in the most intimate and personal way. Emmanuel, God with us. We are united with God through the death and resurrection of Jesus And the Holy Spirit now lives inside of us. We talk about it, but I don't know if we really ponder it. That is quite a mystery, isn't it? The God of the universe resides inside of us. And the metaphor of we being the temples for the Holy Spirit, our bodies as temples, is really profound and quite beautiful when you think about it. I'm one of those kind of geeks that I love churches and cathedrals. And there's something about a church or a cathedral that just feels, when I walk in the doors, just feels holy to me. I feel like talking really quiet when I'm in one. So when I ponder this passage, I I thought about my body being a temple for the Holy Spirit. How sacred is that? For the Israelites all through history, the temple was a really big deal. It was a place where God dwelled to be with his people. It represented figuratively and literally God's presence with them. 
And if you know your Old Testament history, you'll know how meticulous God was in giving the instructions for how to build the the temple and the tabernacle before that. But how meticulous God was in the details, the beauty, the specifics, how the contents were to be maintained, how they were to be kept pure, how they were to be dedicated and set apart for God's holiness. Temple was a sacred place of worship and communion with God. And I love to think that my body is a temple for the Holy Spirit in all of its holiness, in all of its beauty, in all of its loveliness. And this analogy that Paul makes, particularly to the Corinthians in context, is is very compelling because if we're going to take that same metaphor, then that means that we too need to be maintained and kept pure, dedicated, set apart for God. God says, be holy because I am holy. That's what our bodies are meant to be. And just in case the metaphor was lost on the Corinthians and subsequently lost to us, Paul nails it when he says, Therefore, honor God with your body. Can't get any more plainer than that. He's taken all the things that he said before about Jesus paying the price for us and the spirit dwelling with us. Therefore, there's like a little equal sign. Honor God with your bodies. Because you were bought with a price. The spirit lives with you, in you. You must honor God with your bodies. Paul leaves no room for doubt or discussion here. In fact, there's an urgency in his words. If you are a follower of Christ, then it is a, compa- a command, an imperative You must honor God with your body because our bodies are not ours. They belong to God. We honor God, our creator. It's a command because Jesus paid a huge price for us. We honor God because of the son's sacrifice and investment. It's a command because the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us. We honor God because the Spirit's presence is personal and in us and sacred. It's simple. We are to honor God with our bodies. So what does that look like practically? How do we do that? How do we grow in caring for our bodies when so many of us have struggled to do so in the past and we've, I don't know about you, but I've failed many times. So what do we do? How do we live into our best lives with our bodies for 2019? Well, first, there is no magic bullet speedway. It takes work. We tend to be undisciplined, which is why the fast is so helpful. It is a spiritual practice to get our bodies in submission. So it does take work. But I think that God wants to encourage us. I think that God wants us to see differently than maybe how we typically see. 
I think he's inviting us to move beyond the typical motivation that we have of I want to look better, I want to feel better, I want to lose a few pounds. I think he wants us to go a little deeper than that. Not that there's anything wrong with those things, but I think he wants us to go deeper. Something more eternal, something more encompassing, a bigger why. A why that can stick and help us be motivated when the going gets hard. I think he wants us to catch a vision for our best selves with our bodies. And we're going to go back to that 3D rubric that I just quizzed you on earlier. We're going to see how does God see our bodies by looking at being dissatisfied, devoted, and determined with our bodies. First, let's consider being dissatisfied with our bodies to get a God vision. Now, when it comes to our bodies, many of us are already dissatisfied. We don't have a big leap there. We may be dissatisfied with our eating habits or our sleep routine or our exercise regimen or or other habits that we know aren't good for our bodies that we need to do something about. We may be dissatisfied because we've tried and maybe we've been successful, maybe we've been unsuccessful. But I wonder if there is a deeper dissatisfaction from God's point of view. A deeper dissatisfaction that could maybe help spawn a a motivation, a catalyst, if you will, for us to have a little bit more self-discipline than we sometimes do. I want us to consider being dissatisfied, not because we aren't happy with our weight, diet, or habits, but I want us to consider being dissatisfied because we're missing out on something. I want us to consider being dissatisfied because if we aren't caring for our bodies, we are not living the abundant life that Jesus has for us. I want us to consider being dissatisfied because if we are not taking care of our bodies, we are in essence dishonoring God. We are using and abusing our bodies. That hit me hard personally. What flashed in my mind when I was pondering this is, is you know how when you have a, a rental property and you want renters that's going to take care of your property? You don't want renters that's going to trash your property. That's dishonoring you. And so I had that, that image, I don't want to dishonor God. I don't want to abuse and take advantage of my body. Now, none of this is to beat us up, but it is to wake us up. Because I think unlike the Corinthians, or I should say like the Corinthians, sometimes I think we too can separate the spiritual from the physical. We don't necessarily recognize that that our body, care for our bodies is a spiritual practice. But if we are not treating our bodies well, the truth is we're limiting what God has for us is best for us. Picture this, if you will. Try to capture this vision. How might your life with God and for God be different? How might your life be different if you had more energy, you were better rested, you were more physically fit, you were less stressed and not taxed? How might your life with and for God be different If you were healthier, 
How might better health impact your joy, your peace, your patience, your kindness? You know, often when babies are really young, they cry and we know, oh, they're just tired. Well, something's happened as I get older because when I'm tired, I now start crying too. And I'm like, I get it. I understand why babies are doing that. Our lives, how might they be different if we were healthier? How might the dynamics in our relationships change if we were healthier, less stress? How might being in better shape impact your God-given purpose, your mission, your ministry to be a witness for God? There's this Netflix TV show uh, called Travelers. And I'm a science fiction fan. So this, this show's kind of weird. If you're not a science fiction fan, just stay with me. But it's about a group of travelers who have come from the future. And they've come from the distant future. And at that time, supposedly, artificial intelligence is running things. And they, they call it the director. And, and they have found that apparently way distant in the future, Earth is really, really messed up. And the, and the director has identified that stuff started going south in the 21st century. And so what they do is they send people from the future back to the 21st century to try to catch some of these things and kind of rewrite history, which of course doesn't work because then you've got all these timelines and whatever. But that's what they do, send them back to the 21st century. And when they come back to the 21st century, these travelers are dedicated to the mission. They have their orders from the director. They know what's supposed to happen. They know where they're supposed to be. They are committed even unto death. Now, here's the part that's a connection here. For them to get from the, 20, from the future into the 21st century, they need a body, what they call a host. And typically, the director kind of hooks it up so that they time it that when somebody is dying in the 21st century then the traveler is ready to enter their body. And they do it kind of cool. Over here, you'll see timeline kind of counting down in red. And when you see the little red counting down, you know someone's about to die. And then right when they get to zero, it turns green. And the timeline starts going up. And you know, okay, somebody from the future has entered their body. They're here. Now, why am I telling you all this? Because as I was reflecting on this, it occurred to me If our bodies aren't healthy, we can't do our mission. There was one of the characters, and the director made a mistake, and they put a traveler in a body that was not healthy. He couldn't do it. He wasn't able to fulfill what he was meant to fulfill. And that was an aha for me. Like, you know, I don't know what I'm missing in terms of my purpose and my mission and what God might have for me. If my body, if I can't, if I'm, if I'm too tired, if I don't have enough energy, if I'm too stressed out, am I missing what God would have for me? And I ask the same of you. The reality is that we may be an obstacle for the very mission and purpose God has for us because we have not cared for our bodies We need a God vision for our bodies. If we can catch the vision of what God may want to do in and through us and the health that is needed for our bodies. I don't know about you, but I already feel motivated to get back on my treadmill. (laughs) 
Now, I want to be sensitive to those of you in chronic pain or who have physical challenges. I recognize that you may be doing all that you can. I became extra sensitive to this once my mother started having her challenges. And for those of you who know her, she's doing very, very well. In fact, she had a... She had a praise story, which I'll share in just a minute, but I want to encourage that even if you are having physical challenges and limitations and you're in pain, God's not through with you yet either. There's a God vision for you as well, and you do what you can to care for your body. My praise report for my mom in terms of do what you can is she's so excited because she has gotten back on her little um, bicycle and she was able to bicycle for two minutes. And that was a big deal. Two minutes was a big deal. So you do what you can. And now that actually applies to all of us. Start small. We do what we can. Behavior experts say that one of the things that helped to motivate us when we feel unmotivated or we lack the discipline, is to have a clear vision, a clear goal, a clear picture of where we're trying to go. And that's what I'm trying to paint this morning for us, of of what God may want to do if we get a vision of a healthier us. I wonder if we would be more motivated and disciplined in those areas that we need to address if we saw our bodies through God's eyes. If we remember that our bodies belong to God, that he has entrusted them to us. And therefore, he expects us to take care of them. And that he has a vision for our bodies. Brothers and sisters, this is still all under the first D. Let's become dissatisfied with every excuse that leads us to neglect, abuse, and take our bodies for granted. Instead, let's choose to honor God with our bodies as an act of thanksgiving, as an act of stewardship, and as an act of worship. Which brings us to the next D is to be devoted. To be devoted with our bodies is an act of worship. It is is taking care of our bodies purely because we love God. Romans 12, 1 captures this well when when Paul writes to the Romans. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that God will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. You know, I was touched this morning when Sister Tracy had us kind of get in the aisles and and I was looking at how we were worshiping God and we were worshiping with our bodies. Our hands were lifted, or our heads were bowed, or or we were clapping, and, and we were engaged in worship with our bodies. Well, as we care for our bodies, worship continues. That's worship, too, just by taking care of our bodies and, and treating them well to the glory of God. Paul tells us in the text to honor God with our bodies. That is our living sacrifice. That's how we worship God which is fitting when you think about the Holy Spirit and this temple analogy. You know, we're worshiping God and and we're a temple of worship and it all just fits together so nicely. We're devoted and we worship with our bodies. 
And when we do, that means we would be mindful that everywhere we go and everything we do, the spirit is with us. The spirit is in our bodies. But that also means that there are some places that we shouldn't go. And there are some things that we should not do because the spirit of God is with us. We are the temple of God and his spirit lives inside of us. And sometimes we may sense that little check in our spirit that, no, we're not supposed to do that. It's the presence of the spirit reminding you that you've been called to be holy and sacred and set apart. It's how we worship God with our bodies. It's what it means to be devoted with our bodies. Corinthians states, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. That's how we are devoted with our bodies. And finally, briefly, the last D is to be determined. And that means to be intentional, and that's where the work comes in. We may stumble and we may fall and, and we may not, may not get it quite right, but we don't have to travel this road alone. As we care for our bodies, however God is speaking to you, the Holy Spirit is with us. He will empower us and can help us overcome the obstacles that may get in our way because we are on a mission for a much higher purpose than just to lose a few pounds and look good. And we can journey with friends. Behavioral experts have found that we are much more likely to reach our goals if we have a partner or a community. And that's kind of where the 21 days of prayer and fasting comes in. We're doing this as a church family. You can grab a few friends and say, okay, this is what I'm going to do for the 21 days. What are you going to do for the 21 days? Let's partner and support each other. You may be a food fast. It may be a media fast. You may say, I need to get more sleep. Whatever you need to do for the 21 days to help you connect with God, care for your body, hear him, draw closer to him. Let's do it as a community. It doesn't have to be food. Whatever you feel God prompting you to do, this is an opportunity to connect with God and honor him with your body. And it starts with small steps. That's the other thing that behaviorists have said for success is often our goals are way too lofty. I am not going to run a marathon tomorrow, but I can maybe walk a couple miles. We can start small. And we don't want this to be past the 21 days. We're talking about caring for our bodies as a way of a lifestyle change, that we want to honor God with our bodies. This is what we do. And so start with things that are reasonable and and work at it and get support from from others. Let's love God and honor God with our bodies. Now I want to close and just give you a moment to think about what God may be saying to you. Have the 21 days coming or maybe there's something else that has stirred in your spirit related to how you want to care for your body. Someone at the 8 o'clock service came up to me and they said that when I first started, this person's a personal trainer, she said, when, when you first started, she said, I was going to zone out because I'm like, I exercise, this isn't for me. And then she said, through the sermon, she felt God clearly say to her, you need to work on your teeth. 
And she said, well, that's part of my body too, so I guess the sermon was for me. (laughs) So whatever God is saying to you, hold that. Listen. It's an invitation to honor God with your body. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, it is an amazing mystery and an act of grace. First, that you have formed us, that you want to be in a relationship with us, that you paid the price for us, and that you, now you live within us. It speaks to the degree that you love us and want to be in a relationship with us. And so, God, forgive us when we take that lightly. Forgive us when we take our bodies for granted. Forgive us when we make excuses and kind of put, put it aside. So, God, I ask that even now as we just kind of sit in this space of listening to your word for us today, God, that you would just in a gentle whisper as you do so well. Help us know what it is you want us to hear today. Speak clearly, God, so that we we know what it is you're saying to us. Not in a way of condemnation, but in a loving invitation to draw closer to you, to care for our bodies, to be our very best selves, for your glory. And I ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this installment of Renewing Your Mind, a web-based ministry of South Bay Community Church located at 47385 Warm Springs Boulevard, Fremont, California. We can be found on the web at www.sobcc.org. We'd like to take a moment to invite you to come and join us in person for one of our dynamic Sunday morning worship services. Services begin at 8 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. each Sunday, and we would be so blessed to have you come worship with us. We'd also love to hear from you a word about how this ministry is helping you renew your mind for the glory of Jesus Christ. So please contact us and we pray God's blessings over you the rest of this day. God bless.